our trip to North Carolina and back uh, with little difficulty, but it was a, it was a traveling is tiring and the week was tiring and full of all kinds of activity, a lot of emotions, and so it's a uh, it's just as good to be home. And uh, turns out that uh, at the last moment. Uh, someone else was scheduled to do the funeral, but at the last moment they came down with COVID, and so I stepped in and did the funeral for my brother-in-law Stanley. Uh, it it turned out quite well, and uh, and folks seemed to be blessed, and uh, we just uh, trust that the Lord was pleased with it. But thank you for your prayers. I know many of you were praying, and we got some cards. Thank you for those, and uh, uh, it's always a blessing to know that folks are praying for you in times of need. Well, today is a very special day, a day that does not occur often in the church, uh, but a day that is extremely necessary this is a day when we install uh, Brother Dave Zozel as an elder here at Bethany. And Dave has been praying about this for quite a long time. And, and then Dave and I have been meeting over these last several months. And I'm pleased to announce that I fully stand behind Dave's, Dave's desire to be an elder and his place here at Bethany as an elder. So this morning our theme is going to be that, so I'd ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 20. You all know Acts chapter 20 as the chapter where the Apostle Paul called for the elders at uh, Ephesus, and they came to Miletus where he was, where he was at. This is one of my favorite chapters. Paul, Paul had been preaching meticulously and it was thorough, it was timely, it was true. His preaching, as always was, to glorify Christ and, and give the gospel. It's in the midst of this that Paul has heard from of some of the things that were going on in Ephesus, the persecution, the false teaching, and by false teachers everywhere, the idolatry that plagued that city. And so Paul calls the elders from Ephesus to come and spend some time with him. And it's in, it's in this chapter that he reveals for us, in posterity, the need for and the acti- act- activities of one who is an elder. So follow with me, beginning at verse 17. It's a quite a long passage. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. 
but I do not account my, my, my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and those that were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I can only imagine... I can only imagine that the hearts of all of these men were up in their throats as the apostle said these words. In verses 28 to 31, Paul states a very, what I would call a menacing prophecy. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Why? Because I know that when I depart, fierce wolves will come in among you. We've had a few wolves walk through these doors over the years. They have been quickly dismissed. Some of you didn't even know that it was happening. Some of you did. It is the position and task of elders to watch care over the flock of God. That means sometimes you have to carry your stone and sling with you to drive away the wolves. I want to, I really want to center on verse 28 because it deals really with the, the elders personally. I want you to see that there is a trust that is given in verse 28 to those who are elders in the church. God has entrusted his shepherds with the very words of life itself. I don't know if you can understand, unless you have been in this position, that you can understand the weight of seriousness and gravity that is Ours as elders to stand in this pulpit, this behind this podium, and open this book and deliver the words of the living God to you each and every week. And though no elder is perfect, <clears throat> it is of the utmost importance that elders set the example as Paul had set the example for these Ephesian elders. And now it was up to them to carry on the work as Paul instructed them to carry it. And notice how he relayed this trust. First, there is a warning to the shepherds. Take heed to yourselves. 
The first and foremost priority of any leader in God's work is to maintain his personal, his own personal relationship with Christ. As I said, no one is perfect. We don't always do that which we ought to do. We're still, we're still trapped in a sinful, dying body that is prone to wander. And yet, as someone has said, effective ministry is not mere outward activity. It is the overflow of a rich, deep relationship with God. John Owen writes, a minister may fill his pews, his communion roll. He may fill the mouths of the public. But what that minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, he is that and nothing more. Paul said at the end of his journey, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Would that we could say the same thing. Who would not want to hear his Lord say to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Spiritual leaders must constantly be on guard. The pressures and the demands that come from being an example are not for the lax or the unexamined life. Jesus told his disciples, In Mark chapter 13, verse 9, But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony to them. Watch watch out for yourself because of the testimony that you will make before unbelievers. Those words be on guard. They mean turn your mind towards. Turn your mind and your attention towards a certain person or thing. Literally be constantly attending to yourself. That's a difficult thing to do. When you are not yet perfected. And yet it's something that must be Attempted. The shepherd elder is commanded to be constantly in right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a real flow of ministry that comes out of the heart from within. It's not just what's done outside. It's what's inside that flows outward. Paul writes to Timothy a whole chapter Devoted on shepherd duty. And in verse 16 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, he says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So at the very heart of this is self-examination. Timothy was to scrutinize his life and the doctrine that he taught to make sure they both honored God. That means that there is a constant confession of sin. An examination that takes place. That is essential not only to one's own conscience as a shepherd, but also vital to the salvation and continuance of others. Richard Baxter, the great Puritan writer, said, take heed to yourselves lest you live in those sins which you preach against in others. And lest you be guilty of that which you daily condemn. Take heed to yourselves lest you cry down sin and yet don't overcome it. Lest you seek to bring it down in others, but you bow down to it and become its slaves yourself. Oh, brethren, it is easier to chide at sin than to overcome it. And yet, sin must be overcome. I trust that we would all say with Paul from 2 Corinthians 1, our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and with godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. 
and supremely so toward you. So, Brother Dave, you and I must take heed to ourselves. We are our own worst enemy. Outside of Satan, we are our own worst enemy. Second, there is not only a warning to the shepherds, but notice there is a watchfulness for the sheep. He says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock of God. So after his own life and that of his family, and I want to make sure you understand that, that Dave's devotion is first to his wife and to his family, and secondly, to the church. Elders had families before they were called to be elders. And so they must take care of their families. And that's spelled out clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. After family and himself, his next duty is to the, to the church of God, to the flock of God. And ultimately, that involves leading and feeding. Leading and feeding. Which we'll get to in just a moment. It's interesting that the metaphor of a flock is used throughout Scripture to speak of God's people. Even in the Old Testament perspective, Psalm 77, 20, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses. Psalm 78, verse 52, then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Again, in Isaiah 40, verse 11, and Jeremiah 31, verse 10, he speaks of his people as a flock. In the New Testament, the symbolism remains. The church is pictured as a a flock of God with the Lord Jesus Christ himself being the chief shepherd. Turn with me to John chapter 10. I'm looking forward to getting to to certain chapters in John, particularly John chapter 6 and John chapter 10, John chapter 17. I think, I think of all the Gospels, the Gospel of John is indeed the most sovereign of all the Gospels written. But we'll go to that another time. Look at verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So here Jesus says that the, that his people, he is alluding to the fact that his people are like a flock of sheep and he is the shepherd. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. It's pretty clear that the metaphor of Shepherd and sheep, from the Old Testament perspective, Moses told the Israelites, another prophet will arise like unto me. Him you will listen to. That was, that was Christ. And now in the New Testament, we see that the people of God are referred to as a flock. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, Jesus is called the great shepherd of the sheep. In 1 Peter 2.25, he is called the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God's people through the ages 
have been hated and despised by the world's standard, but infinitely precious to God. Infinitely precious. Therefore, the under-shepherds, the elders, the overseers, the bishops, although the word bishop has been ruined in our day, they are to watch, they must watch and protect God's flock from the wolves that would enter in and spread error that would infect and destroy God's people. So there is a warning, warning to the shepherds and warning of watchfulness to the sheep. Number three, we see here a a warrant of supervision that is given to the elders in verse 28. If you'll notice the words, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Jesus, the chief shepherd divided his flock into many small flocks with under-shepherds to watch over them. Now, there is a sense in which the church of Christ, the true church of Christ, is universal. People who are believers around the world, following Christ, the, the chief shepherd. But in those believers collectively, They have been divided into small groups, small flocks with under shepherds to care and watch over them and to feed them. Notice the word, the words, the flock, (coughs) the words, the flock, literally those words mean Little flock. Isn't that interesting? The people of God are indeed a little flock in the world. By and large, the population of the world sees very few true Christians. Jesus said that there will be few that find the way to life. And many will follow the broad road to destruction. And so, it's a little flock. Jesus tenderly uses that designation in Luke 12 when he says this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter five, we have <clears throat> notice verses two and three. Oh, let's back up to one. That way you can see he's talking about elders. Notice. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So he's talking about elders. Notice verse 2. He says to them, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So here, there are several words here that indicate how the elder is to conduct himself with regard to the church of God. In verse 2, he says, the flock of God which is among you. More clearly, the flock of God which has been apportioned to you. God has His people everywhere 
And they organize themselves into churches. And in those churches, God gives elders or overseers, shepherds to guard the flock, to watch over it, to teach it, to feed it, to care for it. The flock of God, which is a portion to you. Notice verse 3. Don't domineer them. Don't be domineering over them. In other words, don't lord over them. This is not, this church is not my kingdom. I'm not the king here. I have no right to assert myself over anyone. I have no authority to tell you what you can and can do and must not do except through what the word says. He says they are in your charge. Means they've been, they've been apportioned to you. Doesn't mean that you, that you, uh, can tell them how they must live and act and go and not go. That becomes a cult at that point. People are, you're free to live godly in this world in Christ Jesus. And it's the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit using the Word of God to tell you how to do and where to go and where not to go. The same word is used, the same word is used in Acts chapter 1 verse 26. If you recall, when Judas was out of the number of disciples and they cast lots to, to bring in a new disciple, and they, the lot fell on Matthias. This is the same word, apportioned to you, that is among you. It's been apportioned. It is your lot. You are our lot in the ministry of God and in His church. The question arises then, who is it that apportions this allotment to the under-shepherd? And the answer is given in the next words of verse 28. It is the Holy Spirit of God that places the under-shepherd as an elder in the church of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. I have no authority to do it. You have no authority to do it. All we can do is examine and accept that which the Spirit of God is, is giving to us. Paul writes to Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. There are two words there that are very important. The word aspire and the word desire. They are not the same exactly in meaning, but they do go together. For, for example, aspire means to stretch out oneself in order to touch or grab something. So it is an outward thrust. It's an outward action. The, the person who, who aspires to be an elder begins to actively seek that office. The word desire means to have a longing for. So aspiring is outward, desiring is inward. So the desire comes when the Holy Spirit of God places that on an individual's life, a man's life, to become an elder. And then he begins to seek that office. Together they describe this man who outwardly pursues the ministry of elder with that driving compulsion on the inside to be an elder. All this is engineered by and affected by the sovereign work of God's Holy Spirit. The Spirit makes you an overseer. <clears throat> Notice the next part of verse 28. <clears throat> Get back to it here. 
Um, the next part of verse 28 is, is a willingness on the part of the elder to sustain the work of God. You notice the Holy Spirit just made you overseers to care for the church of God. Again, we refer to 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherding has the idea of of care, of tending, of feeding. Shepherds watch over their flocks. They lead them to places where there's where there's food, ample food, they watch over them to protect them from wild animals that that would seek to kill them or hurt them. We have a very clear example of the importance of this in the Lord's instructions to Peter in John chapter 21. I won't ask you to turn there, I'll just give it to you briefly. <clears throat> Jesus gives Peter a threefold command. And the command is this, feed and tend my lambs, feed my sheep, and again, feed my sheep. Do you think it's important to feed the sheep? Jesus told Peter three times to do this. And so he he gives us an indication of what the work of the elder actually is. The work of the elder is to prepare food that will that will nourish and strengthen the sheep. And he uses these words feed and tend, which is the wider term, to include both feeding and oversight. And oversight is not a domineering uh, dictatorial thing oversight is a is a guarding protecting leading word it's done with love and care not a desire for one's own will to be accomplished why does the lord employ these two words to peter trench the greek The Greek master says this, One is simply to feed, but tending involves much more. The whole office of the shepherd, the guiding, the guarding, the folding, or the safety of the flock, as well as the finding of nourishment for it. Lambs need need, uh, nutrition. Babies need nutrition. And adults need it as well. It's interesting to me, it's always been interesting to me, the, the variety that God places in His church. In every church, there are those who are baby Christians. They, they, they don't know a lot. They're learning. And so they need to be fed. And then there are those who have been fed and they've grown up and they've matured, but they need to eat too if they're going to stay that way. And so when the, Church comes together, the main thrust of the worship is that of the feeding from the Word of God. Singing is wonderful, and we're commanded to sing. Praying is a great part of it, and we're commanded to pray. Giving is a part of it, and we're commanded to give. But preaching and teaching of the Word is primary to what we do as a church. And it takes elders who know the word and who study the word to make that happen. Charles Spurgeon writes, It would be good if all ministered had a heavenly instinct for the nourishing and bringing up of the Lord's little ones. But this quality is sadly lacking. Sadly lacking. And it always has been. There are many who enter the ministry just because it's It'll give them a living. Some enter to make great amounts of money. Others enter because it's a place of, quote unquote, power. What a misnomer that is. There's no power in it, except the power of the preaching of the gospel. 
but many enter because of personal power. Shepherding involves leading. True shepherd elder is one of those whom the Lord has placed in charge so that there is order and so that there is tending and care and feeding. The Bible knows nothing of a congregational form of leading where sheep are setting the course for the church rather than the overseers. You won't find it. Can you imagine? <clears throat> and you, you, as you know as well as I do, and you've probably been in the situation where, where the democratic process of voting leads the church. I could not be a part of such an unbiblical scenario. Hebrews 13. Listen to these verses. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. <clears throat> First Thessalonians. Paul reminds the Thessalonian believers... We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. I've been in, folks, not here. I'm not talking about here. I've been in churches where, where the pastors, the elders of the church, the shepherds of the church have been treated so unkindly, so unlovingly. And when I think back on some of those places and some of those people, it's with, it's with disgust. It's with heart-wrenching sadness to hear some of the things that have been said to God's elders. Much in pub, much of it in public. Unbiblically said. Notice the last thing. Not only is there a willingness to sustain on the part of the elders, but there is also the worth of the sheep. Notice in verse 28, which he obtained with his own blood. Wow. There's no greater introduction to the Lord's table than this, that he obtained the church with his own blood. He paid the ultimate price for the redemption of his flock. Now notice how he puts this. The church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You see where the emphasis is? The emphasis is not so much on the elder but on the God who establishes the elder. It was God who gave His Son, and His Son gave His blood for His church. Paul made such a statement because he undeniably believed that Jesus was indeed the God-man. It says two things. First, it talks about redemption. Redemption. The word purchased is redemption. It's in the middle voice, which means that God did it for himself. Hmm, sort of takes you and me out of the scene somewhat, doesn't it? It's not about us. This is not about us. This is about God. This is about Christ. Christ purchased the church for Himself so that He would receive glory from their redemption. Oh, we are the benefactors. But it's all about Him and not about us. The true elder shepherd will always bring the attention to Christ and not to Himself. Second, there is substitution. It is with His own blood. Jesus became the substitute for sinners, enduring the terrible wrath of God. 
2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. There is substitution at its fullest. God treated Christ on the cross as if he had committed every sin that would ever be committed by all who would ever believe. So that all who would ever believe would be as though they had never sinned at all. What good news is that? The best. So today, we have the awesome privilege under the direction of the Holy Spirit and the aspiring and desiring of Brother Dave to bring him into our midst as an elder, overseer, pastor of the church, a shepherd. He will care for your best interest before God. He will stand for truth, the truth of God's word. He will drive off the wolves that come in. He will love you because you are God's people. And you should love him. You already do, I'm sure. But the degree of your love should increase because he is going to face things that he has not faced heretofore. And he will need your love and your desire to follow Christ as strength to carry on through the scriptures. So he will be in a place of leadership making decisions as to where God will take the church in the future. And that has already been established for many years now. And that is not going to change anytime soon. And so may God be pleased with us and with our church, with his flock, as we carry out the direction of his word. Scripture is very plain. Lay hands suddenly on no one. And that we have not done. Dave has been in this church a long time. His his character is well known. He is a student of the word. And I am pleased to see him brought in as an elder. And I know that you'll be blessed and our church will be blessed as a result of what we do here this morning. So, Brother Dave, if you will come and have a seat here in this chair. And Nancy, I'll ask you to come with it. No elder steps into a position of elder without a wife standing behind him. And Nancy certainly loves the Lord and she will be behind him.
All right, let me just uh, make a few announcements, and then I'll have Brother Rolf to come back and close close out things here today. Ladies, this afternoon at 5 o'clock in the upper room, ladies' Bible study. So that'll be today. And then uh, remind you once again, if you have not picked up a copy of Paul, Paul Snyder's book, um, The Missionary Crisis, it's on the table back there. It's free of charge. Feel free to take one, and we've got a lot of them left, so if you know someone that you would like to give a copy to, that's certainly permissible to do so. So uh, I'll put a few more out uh, so that you can take a few to give, to give away to friends uh, and family. <clears throat> um, let's see here. <clears throat> Let me remind you that... that um, that is next week? No, it's two weeks. In two weeks, the 23rd, uh, Dr. Pat will be here uh, from New Service 2000. She ministers to the persecuted church in the Middle East and Northern Africa, and she'll be bringing a report on what's been going on there. Her newest newsletter is on the bulletin board. The January letter is on the bulletin board if you'd like to stop and look at it. Uh, it's there for you. Fit will be each Sunday now, uh, unless otherwise announced. Fit will happen every Sunday at 9 o'clock downstairs in the Fellowship Hall. And um, so that's all that I have to announce, I believe. That's it, I think. Yes. Yes, sorry. Uh, Chase and Elizabeth, uh, some, what, months ago, Went to a, a marriage uh, uh, marriage uh, counseling seminar uh, with with a group, and uh, they are they are desiring to start a, a group here from Bethany and and help marriages. Uh, if you are interested in that, see Chase, and he will tell you what's involved with it. And they're going to start that up when. Sometime around the beginning of February, they'll start that up. And so, small group Bible study based on, mostly on marriage relationships. Thank you. Oh, bless her heart. Thank you for that. I, I, we appreciate Kathy. She prays for us all the time. And uh, so... We're thankful for that. Yes. We have cake and we have cupcakes in the back. So, Brother Dave and Nancy, you'll want to be out there so folks can can uh, greet you and and bless you. And so when I walk down, if you'll get up and go out there as well, uh, you'll be out there and they can come see you out there instead of instead of corralling you in here. <clears throat> All right. So make sure you see Brother Dave and give him your blessing and uh, and follow him as you would follow me. We are co-equal in eldership, and nothing will be done that we do not agree should be done according to Scripture. That should that should make you feel pretty good. No division, no no haggling, no arguing. If we can't come to a unanimous decision, or uh, you, you have unanimity. Then we don't move. We stay right where we are. It's the way we work it. And so, so that's that. All right. Rolf, if you will come. Close yourself. Let's, uh, let's go to Lord in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, again, we're, we're so thankful we can gather here and worship, praise, and honor you in all that we we do, Lord. Uh, we, we hold these prayers up to you. Uh, the first, uh, for Kathy, Kathy Just has been experiencing some health issues and has gone through several tests and have, has more to come in the coming weeks. Uh, Lord, uh, she's going to have her thyroid uh, removed here in the coming months. So we would just ask, Lord, that um, 
uh, but we pray that the doctors and medical staff um, have the wisdom and insight in these procedures, uh, Lord, to help her regain, regain her health. And um, that uh, Kathy is praying that she glorifies God and provides a strong testimony through this uh, this period of time. So, Lord, uh, if it would be your will, please, please bring uh, Kathy to health. We pray for Judy, who um, lost her husband on December 27th, Lord. And then here uh, in this month, lost her home to a fire. So, Lord, we, we hold Judy. We ask you to, we pray that you hold Judy in your loving arms and grant her your peace. We pray for support from family and friends around her, Lord, to come alongside her during this challenging time. Lord, we also pray for uh, Maurice Olstad's friend, Dennis Carlson, who, who f- fell and broke his leg and, and femur. Um, Dennis is, is 86 years old, Lord, so it's, it's a very difficult situation. Uh, please uh, grant him health and recovery, if that would be your will, Lord. Uh, Lord, I, I, I request you prayers for Victoria, who's a wife of Sean and co-worker of mine. I just found out this morning who's having an emergency C-section this morning. So, Lord, please uh, guide the, the doctors and medical staff so that's successful. Uh, Lord, if that would be your will. And, Lord, uh, we pray for this congregation, this body of Christ, as we celebrate Dave's installation as the newest elder here at Bethany, may he receive the support, love, and care from from the flock, as Pastor shared. And we move forward, always pursuing the call that you have on our lives and for this church. All this we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.